0: It's one of the first things I remember when I first came into, like I did two days in the Matildas camp just to cover for the doctor at the time. I walked into the meal room and I was like mind blown by the buffet. Like you said, do people sort of get starstruck by the players? I was starstruck by the buffet. So like we'll strap them for training, but then when we know the media's going to be there, we'll make them wear long pants, for instance, or we'll take the strapping off the meal. Like you absolutely cannot give anything away that will compromise the health or welfare of the player by the opposition knowing something about that player.
1: Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Hello, lovely neighborhood. I hope you're having a wonderful week and of course are seizing your yay. I believe most of us listening probably had a long weekend of some form over the weekend. So I hope you all enjoyed the wonderful time off and made some time to play TA. We are so lucky to have Dr. Brandy Cole back on the show this week after her incredible episode last week. So this is the follow on from that or part two or chapter two or whatever you want to call it. Uh, If you have listened to that, you will know that it absolutely got out of control. We were having so much fun. Andrew and I were just fangirling her so hard, but also getting so deep into her incredible pathway from all the way back to childhood, as we usually do. But there's been so much that Dr. Brandy has done in so many different areas before we even got up to the chapter that she's in currently, which many of you will know her from. Of course, most of you will know whether or not you've listened to the episode that Dr. Brandy is the team doctor for the Matildas, which in itself is so fascinating and has so many facets, particularly with the recently passed FIFA World Cup. So of course we wanted to get into Tilly's fever and everything behind the scenes, but Dr. Brandy has so many achievements before that, including being an elite athlete herself. She's done a million degrees. She has her own practice. So Andrew and I got really distracted going through all of those chapters and didn't actually make it to the Tillys chapter until 55 minutes in or something like that. <laughs> but we had so much fun and it seems Dr. Brandy enjoyed herself as well, which we're very grateful for. So she agreed to jump back on for a part two. And this segment of the interview will focus on the behind the scenes of pretty much being the glue that holds the Matildas together. So another wonderfully enjoyable, completely fascinating episode. We learned so much, like so many interesting things about what life was like, not only in the FIFA World Cup, but in the Olympic Village and also just how intense the job of the support staff is. And I'm sure you guys will hear we're just as obsessed with Dr. Brandy as we were last time. I hope you will enjoy and love her as much as we have. Maybe we'll get her back for part three. She's got a lot coming up. So I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as we did. Dr. Brandy, welcome back. Thank you. Feels like I never left. <laughs> you can't get rid of us now. <laughs> We are so excited to have you back. Last episode was so much fun. We spoke for longer than we do in most episodes, but it felt like 10 minutes and I feel like we barely scratched the surface of your incredible life. So we are so grateful that you agreed to jump back on to keep going and just chatting shit with us. 90 minutes of episode and about three hours of talking condensed into it, I think. Yeah, I think we all speak
0: very quickly as well. Usually when I'm talking to people, I cut in because I'm like, I know what you're going to say. You're being too slow. Just hurry up. I'll answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just not a good habit to have. I'm trying to work on that. I actually had a friend text me after she listened to the episode and said, I'd love to know how many words you say per minute. So maybe I'll have to record it for her.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people listen to podcasts on one and a half speed just because they find slow talkers, whereas if they did that with our episode, they wouldn't understand anything that's, that we'll say. That's saying. exactly right. I, I'm uh, guilty of listening at
0: 1.5 speed and, yeah, I didn't need to for my own episode, so that was good.
1: before we get into part two exploring the wonderful world of dr brandy it's so interesting to me that you don't usually listen back to your chats and you did for this one what did you think
0: (laughs) yeah i i usually can't stand what my voice sounds like or what I say, but I actually wanted to know what I said because I had so much fun. I didn't really know what, I knew what we talked about, but I was like, I don't actually know what I said. I better listen back because I feel like this is one that people are going to start talking to me about or, and, and quite rightly, like I, I got messaged, as my friends were listening to it, I was just like getting updates. Like everyone was just outraged that I read the dictionary. Like, like, <laughs> you don't tell people that.
1: <laughs> it's like, I forgot about that. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> it's, it's like most people knew most things, but that's – one thing that just I probably hadn't told anyone because it maybe just don't go around dropping that into conversation every (laughs) you know so often but when I did listen back I listened back I I, I got into bed and I usually listen to a podcast or something um, before I go to sleep just to wind down because I work quite late into the night and I can't go straight from doing work letters to sleeping and um My husband had to get up and put earplugs in because I was giggling in bed. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realise I was doing it because I had my noise cancelling earphones on. And so he said you were doing this like deep breathing that would get quicker and quicker and then you would just giggle
1: and then you would go silent again.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I was laughing. At uh, your jokes, not mine.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you found it funny the second time around as well, because you never know—like it might not land the second time when you've got perspective. <laughs> yeah, and and that was one of the things my sister texted me about.
0: She said, "I've heard you being called a lot of things, but hilarious is not one of them." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we've unlocked a new side of you. <laughs> Thank you. Well,
0: I thought it was always there, but apparently not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that so many people listened.
0: Yeah, no, it was good. And another thing, one of uh, my girlfriends actually, Victoria, who uh, was a physio with me in, she's actually ex-Matilda, and I worked with her at the Junior Matildas. She was disappointed that uh, she didn't get mentioned. and <gasps> <laughs> She is quite a big part of my life, and I still catch up with her frequently. She's from Adelaide, so whenever I'm in Adelaide, I, I head down there. But she also wanted to make a point of, um, when you asked me about my skincare routine, <laughs> she said, it's clearly because of her, because when we used to travel away for the juniors, she'd take me into, um, like, at the airport, in the international airport before we go away she'd take me into like the cosmetic section and like I just would not I don't I don't own cosmetics and she'd show me all the face creams and she's like this one's worth five hundred dollars you should put this on and like all the testers so every time (laughs) we fly she'd get me like the best testers to put on my face to, to help me with the you know the dehydration of air travel so that's a good friend if anyone's to credit for anything to do with my skin it's definitely her. So
1: there you go, Vic. Oh, well, she's got a shout-out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, Vic now has got a whole segment to that shout-out. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Brandy skin with Victoria. With <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> but it's actually so nice because we often, like we don't often, I don't think we've ever done a two-parter straight after and got to actually hear from our guest what the feedback is at their end because, of course, like we get lovely messages and we get like, you know, Tilly's fans from everywhere who sort of didn't know about everything in your life up until the Tillys chapter. But it's so nice to hear as well from your end that you had friends who didn't know things about you that came out. Like, that's just so lovely. Yeah. I also had a a
0: good uh, friend and work colleague write me a text to apologize that he'd six months ago half jokingly half seriously asked me if he could get world cup tickets he said I feel I felt the second I asked that I felt really bad and now I want to formally apologize after listening to the podcast I said no that's fine I I get the the, um the ironic thing is I actually tried to give him a ticket to one of the Sydney games because I knew he was a big fan I had a spare ticket but he was already going or he he couldn't make it so I was like no that's fine like that's not what I was talking about, like, yeah, you're not to, you. It's good to it's good to know who wants tickets. If I get given tickets, I can give it to them. It's more about access to the girls and and things from them that it's hard. Yeah, I thought that was lovely and yeah. not necessary, not ne- <laughs> and not needed apology, but. Uh, <laughs>
2: I reckon everyone that's ever asked you for anything feels like it was a, per- a direct personal <laughs> jab at them.
0: asking. Oh, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> happy to name and shame the exact people I'm talking about. They're not <laughs> in my life. <laughs> not you, Victoria, though. We love you, Victoria. We love you, Victoria.
1: <laughs> oh, well, we are so lucky to have you back because for anyone who hasn't caught up on the first episode, this is definitely sequential. So go back and listen to our most recent episode because that follows Dr. Brandy's entire path, pretty much. From school all the way through uni and lots of twists and turns and and amazing, amazing chapters that were so incredible and diverse that we didn't even really get to the Tillies until the end of the episode. So this is the Tillies time for us to dive into what it's been like as the Matilda's team doctor. And we had some, we've got lots of questions submitted here for you. And I'm sure we also have plenty of our own to throw in. So And do you want to kick off? Well, we my our first thing actually was that we don't even know what a day-to-day
2: for you would ever even look like. I think, I don't know if you've ever had to talk about it in anywhere in the past, but we, Sarah and I were both like, what do they eat? Yeah, like <laughs>
1: how do they sleep? Like, we forget that you're
2: just a human, like you're a human being that eats, like does things. But we're like, what does it even, like we couldn't even just start to, I think with the girls it's probably a bit easier to figure out what they do from a, they go to training, like they eat together as a group and there's a lot of, videos around that you see it it's you know on all their socials but then the rest of the team we're like like what do they do like where do you go like yeah we don't eat yeah, yeah. <laughs> or sleep or do
1: anything no stop all the funding goes to the place <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's not far from it but no just kidding um <laughs> dr Brandish sets up a tent nearby <laughs> and she camps
2: and she does amraps and then she gets yeah <laughs> She eats like
1: ready-to-eat like two-minute noodles and... <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's definitely not what I eat. No. Yeah,
0: so what's a day in the life for you? Like? So, yeah, good question. So I try and get up at 6 a.m. because I'm sort of starting my work day by 7. So for meals, we have what we call windows. So there's a breakfast window, a lunch window, and then a dinner window. Usually dinners are fixed time so you have to be there at 7pm for instance but we tried to make it a little bit more relaxed in the World Cup because being in camp for 10 weeks you sort of feel a little bit institutionalized anyway so it was, a, it was a little bit um there was certain days that you had to be there on time and then other days that it was also a window so what I mean by window is breakfast is available from 7 30 until nine and so we travel with our own chef Vinny one of my closest friends one of the best humans in the world so he and then at the at the major tournaments we have a second chef with us so they We still, wherever we're staying, they, like the hotel staff are doing majority of the cooking, but they're overseeing the menu well in advance with our dietician and then they're managing the actual food. And, like, honestly, I live my best food life in camp. Like, that is one of the highlights of my job. I also eat for the whole of Australia in camp. <laughs> I have very strict rules at the buffet. Like, Oh, it's a buffet. Like to the point where I cannot ever go to a buffet in the rest of the world ever because it just does not live up to the standard of the Matilda's buffet. <laughs> it's one of the first things I remember when I first came into, like I did two days, this is years ago in the Matilda's camp, just to cover for the doctor at the time. And I was, I walked into the meal room and I was like mind blown by the buffet. Like it was the, by far the, the biggest thing that stuck it. Like you said to people sort of get starstruck by the players. I was starstruck by the buffet. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it was the most amazing thing. I've got some <laughs> priorities. Oh no, honestly, food. I told you I get hangry. Like it's a very real thing. So I, I'll put up on my socials some of the videos and things I took of the buffet because it's just phenomenal. So I have some rules that I've self-imposed. So I, I'm only allowed one plate per meal, so you should see how the plates are pretty big, you should see how heaped up they are but then I can go back for fruit and yoghurt that's my kind of dessert because there's a whole treats thing. I am not allowed treats in camp because it's just like too amazing to the <laughs> point where when it was my birthday, so we do birthday cake for each person's birthday, who it is, and we sing to them. And so oh. I, when I started this, it was at the Asian Cup, January 2022, and there was like eight birthdays in the space of a month. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll have to make an allowance and I'm allowed birthday cake for the next camp because I just missed out on all the birthday cakes. But it was to the point where when it was my birthday at the very beginning of the World Cup. Vinny actually thought I didn't like cake because I don't eat the dessert. So he gave me a cheese plate for my birthday cake. Which <laughs> oh, is awesome. I mean, I love cheese. I have cheese and nuts on every meal. Like I probably ate, I don't know, like $100 of macadamias a day in the, for the whole World Cup, I reckon. Like just,
1: <laughs> yeah. like it's just So that's where the Tilly's budget goes, your macadamias. Yeah, 100%. You come home and you try and replicate this food and you have no
0: money to spend on any rest of your life because you're just buying <laughs> produce because it's just amazing. Anyway, so, oh, my God, your yeah. kids are living
1: on, like, <laughs> LCMs and <less> snacks. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. No, my
0: kids eat the way I eat. That's why we have no money. Um, <laughs> so breakfast, so I have to be ready. Like, I try and be at breakfast at the beginning of the window and just be there. So a lot of the time my job is incidental. Like, the girls will just be passing and go, oh, have you got this? Oh, can I talk to you about this? So I just kind of be around, hanging out, and that's sort of easier to catch up first thing with the girls, see if there's anything that they need. So I just kind of hang out in the uh the Tillys Cafe all morning until the end of the breakfast window. Then we've got, we've made it quite routine in terms of our training sessions have been fairly standard. So it's 11am training session, which means they have a meeting anywhere between 10 and 10.30 in the morning, depending on how long the travel is to training and so whenever their meeting time is we have an hour window prior to that meeting so it might be from 9 30 ten thirty, 10 30 for instance where they can come to the medical room for strapping so they either come in and strap themselves or all the physios are there i'm not always there for that whole hour because i might be doing something with one of the players for instance but i'll wander in and out and i'm always obviously on call i'm on call 24 7 anyway then we travel to training. Um, in the World Cup, the training venues were quite close, which is nice, but travel to training is the time that the medical team catch up on our sleep, so we like to sleep oh. on the bus. Well, that's when we listen to our podcasts or music, so um, <laughs> we didn't get much of that in the World Cup because the venues were so close. And then training will go for a couple of hours, so it's very pre-planned and uh, we know exactly what's happening at every minute of the entire training session. They'll do a prehab, which is 10 minutes where they're doing like the activation work. Then they'll do the warm-up with a sports scientist. Then they'll do um, all the different training drills. Then they'll do their recovery afterwards so they've got their nutrition, their shakes, everything there. There's a big table set up. They do ice baths at the field. If we can't get them there, then we take them home to do the ice baths at the hotel, but it's better if it's right at the field straight afterwards. Then they shower change. We get back on the bus. We go back for lunch. So then it's a lunch window. So if someone's been injured at training, for instance, we might grab them before the lunch or otherwise it's just when it suits. The girls go straight to lunch because they're shower fields. We usually sort of do a bit of a tidy up or whatever we need to do and then head to lunch. A wet, wet shower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, we shower. I meant tidy up of the medical management, not of ourselves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the afternoon, so the head physio, um, Jackie, will send out a message while we're on the bus travelling back usually that says who wants massage, who wants treatment, and then she'll do this like, matrix of times for who's booked in for what, which then usually goes all afternoon. Sometimes the afternoon they might have gym. So on match day minus two and match day minus four, they'll have a gym session in the afternoon. Sometimes that's back-to-back at the field. If the gym's at the field, sometimes it's after lunch. Whoa. So when we're in camp, we don't know the date or the day. We just refer to everything as coming up to the next match. So we just say, oh, it's match day minus five, it's match day minus four. Whoa. Then it becomes match day minus one, match day, and then match day plus one, match that's day plus so two. so cool. So in the World Cup, you kind of have the pluses and then they turn into minuses again. So you might have a plus three and then a minus three. But in the Olympics, it's literally like game, two days, a game, two days. So our match day plus one is our match day minus two on the same day. So it's kind of like it's just chockers because you've got to do like the recovery plus the prep all on the same day. And so then sometimes, like if we're lucky, we were lucky enough to have three physios at the World Cup. So the treatment would finish at sort of more reasonable time. So we could often then have all our meetings pre-dinner or around dinner, which is Mm -hmm. ideal because then we get a little bit of time to sort of plan after dinner. But if there's only two treating physios, we often, they treat quite late and then we have to have a meeting. So every evening, the whole medical team get together for a meeting. So that time is determined by the last player being treated. So then we'll, there'll be a group message that goes out, a uh, medical meeting at, say, 8 p.m. And so then we discuss every player from top to bottom in alphabetical order. So we always start with Macca. Uh, so <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a running joke that we'll all be chatting. We'll all be chatting away and then someone will just be like, so Macca. And then that means, like, hurry up and start the meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get to work. She's
0: Mackenzie Arnold, obviously. Um, so we talk about every player in terms of any injuries, their management, where they're at, from, from sports science, from physiotherapy, from medical point of view, and then After that, the head sports scientist, the head physio and myself, we then go and meet with the coaches when they're ready and then we go through the whole list again with the coaches. Then they'll plan what they think is the session for the next day. So they'll go through with us the session. From the sports science point of view, they've got to look at if there's anyone that needs modified loading in terms of volume of running or kicking volume or anything like that. Then from an injury point of view, we might say, okay, so this player has a bit of a quad strain so we don't want them to do any long kicks on their right leg, for instance. So sometimes that will not that'll be easy. Sometimes if they're the person who normally, like say, if it's Steph, for instance, who normally does the kicking in for the set pieces, then we have to get someone to take her spot. So it's more of a sort of a manage, how we've got to manage training. Sometimes, often we'll manage around what the coaches want to do. Sometimes they'll say, well, is there a drill that yeah. you want to sort of swap in because that's going to be better for these players anyway? So there's a big meeting about that and then we leave and then the sports scientist stays there to sort of finalise the the, um, the training session and then sometimes we then have to meet again afterwards with him if things have changed. And then in the morning we get sent that plan with who's in. So like it's like a PDF document and it's like every drill, the timing of the drill, the players, like who's in where, that we check over to make sure. They're, they're sometimes we have to check the next morning so we might say like that's a to be confirmed so this person is, you know, going to be in for these three drills and then come out, but we've got to confirm that with in the morning. So then we'll get those, the physios will check in with those players first thing before breakfast and then just send the messages to the coaches, yep, this person is in these drills as expected or sorry, this person's pulled up. We, we're a bit more worried about them. We want to pull them out of this session. So it's just an ongoing iterative process that Whoa. is day after day after day. So, yeah, so, so our day, my day might end like 10, 30, 11 p.m. <gasps> officially. I mean, if I'm in bed before midnight, it's amazing. <laughs> and, you, yeah, and you've worked all day. So, I mean, I, I guess in the World Cup I was averaging midnight to 1 a.m. to go to bed um, and get up at 6. But <gasps> after the games, so that penalty shootout game, that started at 5 p.m. So that was, it was lucky. It was an early game. I think <laughs> I finished work at 1 a.m. And then we were moving at 7 a.m. Like we had to get the bags <gasps> and everything on the freight to fly because after every game in the World Cup we flew the next day, the next morning. <gasps>
1: Oh my god!
0: But an eight o'clock game, we might fi- I might finish at like three a.m. By the time we've sort of got all the kit back, because we don't like the staff or the people. Like we're the porters as well. Like we're we're yeah. organizing. So there was one time where like it, it was a bit different in the World Cup because a lot of it was we were moving back and forth for every game, and it was so we normally get like the gear now. I'm talking kit. Like we'd have 180 kit bags like to fly with. So I guess if we start if we break it down, there's 23 girls in camp in the World Cup. Obviously, the World Cup is a little bit different. A home World Cup, it was above and beyond. So this is not the norm. When I'm talking about the World Cup, this is the bells and whistles version. It's not the norm. Oh, my gosh. We normally have about the same number of staff, so about 22. (laughs) So usually I'm looking after about 55 people as the doctor. (laughs) I think in the World Cup we had like 30 staff at one point. So we had the, the first like the round game, so the first three games, it was what we call a base camp model. So we were based in Brisbane. So we were staying in Brisbane for the two weeks or whatever it was for those three games but then we were flying in and out of the games so we had a friendly in melbourne and then the day after that friendly in melbourne which i think was like the 14th of july friday the 14th maybe that saturday the 15th we flew to brisbane and went into our base camp for the world cup so officially the world cup started then we'd already been in camp for four or five weeks prior to that day and then when we got to brisbane so that was we got to brisbane on the saturday Our first game was in Sydney on the Thursday. So then on the Wednesday we flew back to Sydney. So we actually like went Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney between two games. And so when you're moving everything, like you're moving the entire of your apparatus, like the gym, you know, the the buffet, they like the everything. So the buffet, I mean,
1: the buffet <laughs> Then all the sports gear. <laughs> that's, that's why we
0: have two chefs because one has to go ahead and set it up. Like, like actually, actually. And so when we traveled for the first three games, the Sydney game, the Melbourne game, the Brisbane. Well, the Brisbane was in between, so we did Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. We only had to travel with like an overnight bag because we traveled in the night before the game. We played the game and then after the game we traveled back. So we still had a hotel room in Brisbane. So it was very, you know upper class I had two hotel rooms simultaneously one in Sydney and one in Brisbane (laughs) with stuff in both of them
1: so (laughs) fancy yeah so
0: fancy that's where the budget goes I guess yeah (laughs) So, so the Sydney game the first Sydney game so we trained in Brisbane in the morning and then we flew to Sydney and then we had to go straight from the airport to do a familiarization session it's called that was part of a FIFA requirement because we were supposed to do the FIFA requirements were that you train the day before the match at a specific venue for FIFA that all the media would be at. But we wanted to train in the morning and then travel because it's much better for the girls to train than travel rather than traveling and then (laughs) training. So we negotiated that we would go to the pitch and do a familiarization. So we would just walk around the pitch and then the media would be there. So we went straight from the airport to Homebush, which is in Western Sydney for those who aren't from Sydney. And then our hotel was in Double Bay, which is in Eastern Sydney. So (laughs) we kind of went and did this big thing, and then the press conference was at uh, Homebush, and then that happened to be the day that Sam got injured. So then, from there, I then had arranged to get an MRI for her. So then, I took her to get the MRI before we got back to the hotel. So that's like a big day, and that's the day before the the match yeah so then match day I mean it's my favorite day for so many reasons obviously because we're playing a game but it's it's pretty relaxed in the morning so match day is probably the one day that I have a bit of a, a time that I might have some spare time to myself because the girls are pretty self-sufficient the day of the match we've done everything that it, like I mean obviously I'm on call they might need something if something comes up if one of them wakes up sick something like that but they like to sort of do their own thing in the morning so often I'll actually get out and go to a cafe with um, Jackie and I the head physio we like to sort of go to a cafe in the area that we're in just to kind of see the local area otherwise you'd literally never see anything other than the hotel and, and the field.
1: Get out of the institution for a moment. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and then there's like a big build up to the game so we have what we call an advanced crew so they go ahead so they might go like four or five hours earlier than us to set up everything so they set up the change room I mean they just hang out there I guess they've got plenty of time but they, they don't want to be late so so they um yeah we are very lucky to they've sort of set everything up so that by the time that we come in, the staff members that travel with the girls, which are basically the coaches um, and the physios and myself because we're still sort of available for treatment all day. Um, then we kind of walk in and everything's done and we just walk in and we, we arrive 90 minutes before kickoff. And then we have like a very set routine and it's like to the minute. So FIFA are very strict with everything. It's uh, I always used to find these things funny when I first started working in the sport. Like it might be like 7.03 is the start of the up, and, and like just very specific, <laughs> but now it's just normal to me. It's just, that's just football. So at like a lot of our games were 8.00 PM at the world cup. So I think that on average. So after the game, we'd sort of go through, make sure that there was no injuries to the players or sort of a sort out if we need to do anything that evening. Like there's not a lot of things that you have to do that evening. Most of it can be done the next day, but often I'll I'll organize scans and things at the back end of the day for the next day. So it's all prepared. Um, And then when we get back, we have a Very, I mean, game day has about 400 meals because there's (laughs) the breakfast, lunch, and dinner window, but then we have um, a pre match meal. So often we'll do lunch and then pre match meal, which is three or four. I should know this. I think it's four hours before kickoff is when the girls have their last meal. So sometimes that kind of merges into lunch. If it's like the five o'clock game was a bit tricky, with the eight o'clock game, it was quite easy because it was just more basically like a lunch and then an afternoon tea. And their pre match meal is pretty much like a breakfast and an afternoon tea put in together. So that's what things are served at that particular meal. So a lot of them will have like cereals. There's a live spaghetti bolognese <laughs> station. So they that, that's what the girls eat. So basically they have live pasta station every lunch yes. and dinner and they'll line up and they'll get their pasta cooked for them like to oh order kind of thing God, so that's why we need so many chefs as well
1: Amazing! Oh. that was one of my questions was like what do you eat and I, I'm too nervous before like local games that I play yeah. with literally Andrew and Nick in the backyard I'm like oh I can't eat like I've got a game <laughs> <laughs> yeah spaghetti bolognese
0: is a big like tilly's thing so they all like I think majority of the girls have that's the meal they have the night before the game, there's always spaghetti bolognese. You'd think it would be hard to get variety of meals for 10 weeks, but, like, honestly, it's just the best variety.
1: The common theme of the highlight of this role is the food. <laughs> Can you tell the passion in my voice when I talk about the food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the chefs move all the gear ahead of time before the girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the kit, mainly the
2: buffet, and then there's the two chefs and then and the, and the barista. We haven't whoa, even spoken about the barista whoa. yet. So
0: she, we had a barista at the World Cup. Yeah, so she would literally know everyone's order. So when you walked in the door, oh. she'd have it ready by the time you got to the counter, like the coffee counter. That is a jury. Yeah, Alexia, her name is. She was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I don't drink coffee, but she had my tea just ready to go. One time she gave me Old Grey instead of English breakfast. I nearly killed her for that, but that was all right. Oh, my God. Disappointing. You can't get good health (laughs) these days. I mean. (laughs) I'd I'd actually done the same thing myself. It was in in Sydney when we stayed at the Sofitel and the – Earl Grey and the English Breakfast were the same colour. Like who makes the same colour for both tea types? I'm going to write a letter about that. (laughs) There's a rule that English Breakfast is red. Yeah, and Earl
1: Grey is grey or like (laughs) blue or purple.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think they were both black so it was just very confusing. Yeah, so after the 8 o'clock games, I usually finish up about 3 a.m. by the time I've seen all the girls because I'm the last one to go to bed because I have to wait till everyone's gone to bed and some of the girls, it's very hard to sort of have the hype of a game and then just go to bed and go to sleep. But then we were always, so the next day we were always moving. So we we had to pack up everything to move. So after those three initial rounds, so after our Canada game when we won and we went to the quarterfinal, which was against Denmark back in Sydney, so our Canada game was Melbourne. And so then we flew from Melbourne back to Brisbane and then I think Denmark was in Sydney, which was the quarterfinal. Sorry, the round of 16, round of 16. The quarterfinal was against France, which is the penalty shootout one. So, yeah, the round of 16. So, we went from Melbourne to Brisbane and stayed a few days and trained in Brisbane, and then we had to move to Sydney for the, for the round of 16 game. But that was we had to pack up the whole of the base camp for that move. So, from that point on, so from the round of 16 to the quarterfinal, the semifinal and the final, it changed, and it wasn't a base camp model. It was you move and follow your game. So, we literally, the whole entourage had to go Sydney, Brisbane, oh Sydney, Brisbane. Gosh. all times. So, I think I did like 17 flights in the World Cup, I think I counted up. And so, one of the games where we were coming from Sydney back to Brisbane, all our kit usually goes on freight, which is a truck, and it goes like a day ahead. So, we leave from training the day before and it sort of the truck drives wherever we're going and then it gets there when we get there. But because it was such a short turnaround, it had to go by air freight. And so, when we arrived back in Brisbane, yeah, before the quarterfinal game, so before the France game, we arrived back and they said, oh, the freight's not here yet. It actually, the plane that was meant to come on, I don't know, had engineering problems or something. So, they had to fly all our gear in seven different planes. Oh, my
1: God. And then they
0: had to. (laughs) What? So, then they got a truck. And then when the truck arrives, like the truck people don't bring it into the hotel for us. Like, that's our job as the staff. So... I think the freight arrived at like half past 12 after (gasps) midnight. So the staff were, so we'd been up till like three for that game. So the Denmark game, that was a Sydney game. So it would have finished at 3am, flown up at 7am. In the World Cup, we didn't have training that day. But I think once the girls started getting the concussion, I had to do a training session every day to get them on their protocol. So I would have been at training that day with one of them. So then at 12.30pm or a.m. the next night, we all had to go down to the lobby and get all these bags off. I um, mean, it's one of my favorite jobs actually, because kind of like a workout. So I get in the truck usually with the, with the. Um, I usually get in the truck with the courier yeah. people and like shove the bags down and like I'm like, hurry up, guys, you keep oh up with me. God. You, know, yeah, you don't have time sorted. for gym, but it doesn't matter. But then, like you've
1: got incidental weights going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're we're at commercial hotels, right? So we just got the normal lifts that you would have at a normal hotel, oh and we have to take everything up. So our our kit room was on the 12th floor at ridges for instance so all of these bags have to go into the lifts and then up to the 12th floor but the girls this particular night yeah we were at 10th 11th and 12th floor The girls were – and this is also their actual luggage as well because we had moved completely and we'd moved back. So the girls were all asleep and so we had to, like, move it quietly (gasps) to their doors. So, you know, the girls travel with at least two, maybe three suitcases each. So we're talking like 66 (gasps) bags just for the girls and then, you know, the staff bags and then – all of like it's like a full-on removalist truck that you're loading and unloading every time we move around the
1: logistics of
0: this is oh my crazy. God. those are,
2: forget that needs to happen in the in the back end of
0: yeah exactly we've got it down pat now but it was like and everyone's helping like the you know the photographers and <laughs> the, the videographer the, all the medical teams Sometimes some of the coaches, usually the goalkeeper coach, he's an absolute legend. He's just always there. My assistant video analyst, Shana, she's just always there as well. And I said to Nari, our videographer, I said, you should not be helping. Yeah. You should be videoing this. Like Get back we to need this.
1: Like This is... We need the all about the, the, content. the content. No, no matter about behind the scenes with the girls. Like where's the behind the scenes with the staff? We found that so interesting. Like that's why we were like we have so many questions. Like there's the documentary you can find out so much about behind the scenes of the girls' lives and what they eat and what how they sleep and like it's so interesting to see that there's a whole team of like 22 to 30 people who are moving at the same time with all the staff, supporting the girls, and even the fact that for you when you're in camp mode, like your breaks, which are meal breaks, are actually when the girls are going to come and consult with you. So that's – your downtime is actually – a work session so there's just no downtime it's like no you're just (laughs) there's no downtime but um it's
0: still a less hectic life than my normal life outside (laughs) of camp so I'm always quoted to say in my real life blah 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 like that's not the real (laughs) life but honestly like I just love it because I only have those people to look after and they're right in front of me compared to when I'm at home and I'm trying to consult in my private clinic I'm looking after my kids I'm doing all this and I'm still looking after the Tillys girls from Europe in a totally different time zone. So it's like it's so much harder when I want to help them and I'm like, I need your knee in front of me to be able to help you. It's like I can do so much by Zoom. But so I actually, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's not downtime to me. It's like it's great there. You know, it's just one big family just hanging out.
1: And eating at the buffet. (laughs) Yeah. In
0: In the meal rooms, there's like staff tables, player tables. When it was COVID, we had to sit exactly in the same place all the time with the same people. It was like there was very, very strict rules. But generally it's just sit their round tables, sit wherever you want. It's a running joke that you try and get the cool <laughs> table. I don't know who the cool table is, but I'm going to claim that it's always Obviously. the one I'm on. Obviously.
1: Um, <laughs> it's where the pasta
0: station is. That's where the cool table is. Yeah. And then the <laughs> the thing about the fixed meal time. So I find that really hard because the etiquette is that you, you turn up, so say it's 7pm, everyone has to be in by 7pm and That's one of the things, like if there's a time called, if you're 10 seconds late, you're late and the door's shut, you're not in. So being on time is very um, important to our head coach. And so when there's things that you have to be on time for. And so then, because it might be like a staff meeting, if the manager needs to speak to the whole sort of group, and then it's always the girls will eat first and then the staff will eat after that. And I just find it incredibly hard to sit there in amongst (laughs) the food for half an hour until (laughs) I'm allowed to eat. Like that is... Definitely the hardest half hour of my life every
1: day. Oh, my God. So the highs and the lows are all food-related, basically. (laughs) I know. I was just going to say, so really it's still about food. (laughs) One thing I'd love to know, given how structured the camp model is time-wise and that you're all kind of operating as this well-oiled machine for the ultimate performance of the girls, one thing I've read a lot about and that we've been thinking about so much is Unfortunately for women, we have to deal with a cycle. Like it's a biological fact of life that if you're not an elite athlete, probably doesn't actually affect your life that much. But if you are, like the timing of that, and then the fact that the girls end up sinking, but then that you're also managing their hormone levels and energy levels and fatigue and symptoms and stuff while you're all living together and also trying to. Be, you know, perform as elite athletes at the same time. How do you manage cycles, and like, how quickly do they sink when they get back together? Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know whether you saw an article. I I was actually interviewed right at the very beginning of the World Cup by the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was, and. I did this entire interview based on like menstrual health and it was all about like relative energy deficiency and endometriosis and all of the things that you just asked about. And then right at the end I said, oh, yeah, it's interesting because there's no scientific evidence behind like the sinking of the menstrual cycle, but it's definitely a thing that I noticed in camp. And then the entire article they wrote was about the girls sinking their cycles and like (laughs) nothing else about it. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Anyway, it's like, well, (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, cool, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for the headline. (laughs) But I think, even for a non athlete, learning about planning your life activity levels around your cycle is like one of the most important steps in understanding your health that you can make. Because I used to just expect my body to perform the same all four weeks at different hormone levels and never understand, like, don't plan your biggest pitch that you've got in your lowest energy crampy hormonal time. It's just, if you have the choice, like you don't do that, but obviously the World Cup doesn't move if the girls have their period. So how do you guys work their training and injuries? Like, does that change around cycles? So, I mean, there's a little bit of low-level evidence about injury in the
0: cycle. I'm sure we'll get more, you know, as as we get more data in the future, we'll sort of look into that more. But at this point in time, we do monitor their cycles. So they have a daily check-in when they're in camp. It's like a wellness check-in. And one of the questions on that is like, are you on your menstrual cycle? And so we can kind of, so I can monitor that and the girls, it's good for the girls to monitor their own cycles as well. They get very used to what the impact of their own cycle is. So some girls will feel at their worst in the few days prior to having their period. And then some girls will feel worse when they've got their period. So it's, it's quite varied. Per individual, but they obviously get to know it. and like these girls are professional athletes that are training and playing day in day out the whole year. So they are used to the fact that they have to train and perform at any one point in their cycle for the whole year at all times. We've got probably a very low rate of contraceptive use across the Matildas for you know no particular reason, but I think it's like ten to twelve percent of the girls, whereas the average oh, wow. in athletes are like thirty to forty percent, and. The reason that I know that they do get in sync, obviously, other than the fact that we monitor it, but it's not like I've got <laughs> this big spreadsheet going. Oh, look at this! Is because one of them, um, one of them, uh, will come and ask me for some naprogesic, which they find is good for their premenstrual symptoms, and then the next minute I've got half the team asking me for naprogesic. I'm like, oh.
1: Okay, well, oh, that's, that's so like cool. History. Yeah,
0: so that's that's more how I know it's like when they need more sort of medical assistance in terms of symptom management. Um, and yeah, it was interesting in the World Cup that because it was such a long camp, we had like two or three cycles within that time frame. I was like, what again? Yeah, but it's yeah. like, oh, it's been four <laughs> weeks. Okay, like, yeah. and yeah. so I'm sh- I'm sure when I put in my medical, like I, I put in an order. Usually, I put in I, I've got a medical kit which is basically like I take a little mini hospital in a big suitcase. So normally I would make sure it's stocked before I go and then I would just restock at the end of a window. But I had to restock it like two or three times through the World Cup because it's such a long thing. I'm sure that someone at FA thinks that I'm um, like – Having a you know black market of drug selling on the side because I have to order so many anti-inflammatories, but it really like if you got twenty three girls and two to three menstrual cycles each, like that's you know that's a lot of pain. That's a, that's a lot of inflammation. Yeah. So that's one thing that's very different compared to the to the uh, the men's side. And in terms of the anti-inflammatories, like they all have their kind of individual medication that they find works. So I always ask any any patient, I always ask like what works for you because it's not me to say to someone what's going to help them. I can give them advice. Um, So I stock, I know exactly what the anti-inflammatory of choice for every of the players is and for different things. Sometimes they might be used to using one type and I'll give them, I'll say, well, look, that's probably good for this, but for this, in this case, you might want to try this for this reason. And um, they'll look, they trust me. So they'll always sort of go with my advice, but I try not to change too much because i'm in their world so i'm just there to support them to perform the best they can not to
2: change topic but kind of on the topic of talking about menstrual cycles and injuries and you said there's low level evidence but it seemed like we had actually a question from instagram talking about the injury and i'm not actually sure about the injury rate truly but obviously everyone was very well aware every time someone got injured in this tilly's team because everyone was following very very closely but it seemed like people were getting Injured more so in trainings that ruled them out than in the games. And the question was actually, were these do you think like just freak accidents, or was it you train in such high intensity, or like is that a common thing for people to be ruled out? It meant a lot of them from training sessions. I think mary and Sam are from training, and then I'm not sure even about what um, Alana's was in the end.
0: Yeah, so it's a good question. I think that that like the answer is multifactorial. I think that definitely because people were following us so closely and because the media were obviously reporting on everything and and the injury is such a big impact to any sport. So, you're going to hear about all of that. So, it was probably, it seemed a lot bigger to you guys on the outside because it was being reported on, probably more than when we play At other times, it was probably quite consistent in terms of injury rates. So we have a traffic light system. So at the end of every, that meeting at the end of every evening, we have the girls highlighted green, orange or red. So green is available, no problems. Orange is modified or needs to be reviewed before the next day. And then red is unavailable for the next day. And so we actually are monitoring very closely and we can see the trends, like, cause it's a big color thing in our, we, we send it out to all the coaches every night. So like one of our little things is, oh, we get all green. It's amazing. And that's, you know, what we're aiming for. We're aiming for all green by the time the first game starts. This particular camp, we brought in a lot of players who were actually quite significantly injured coming into camp, which is very unusual because normally if you're just doing a friendly game, you don't bring players in that are injured. You just leave them out. So I think that when we started, and it was a staggered start, so we um, assembled on the 12th of June, but the girls didn't necessarily have to be released by their club until the 10th of July. So they came in and drips Yay. and drips as, as the clubs allowed them to come in, depending on whether they were at the end of their season or in the middle of the season, because the, the girls that played in London and France, so the European girls were at the end of their season, so they were available earlier, but they had to have a mandatory break before they came in. That's what FIFA sort of determined. And then our girls, a lot of them play in the US or Sweden, and they were mid-season. So some of them didn't come in until just before, like two days before that first friendly game. So it was a big difference. So we had, I think, eight players who came in in that kind of first four weeks that were un were in full rehab, so weren't participating in the training at all. So we were, as a medical team, designing their training each day, individualized for those eight players. And I think four or five of them were of our starting eleven. So we're talking about like top <gasps> players who hadn't played a game Whoa. for months because they were injured. Whoa. So to even kind of bring all that together to have most of them available for the first game, it's you know, it's it's actually a, a huge tribute to both our sports scientists and our physiotherapists who just work behind the scenes day in day out to sort of bring that all together and so then in terms of injuries once you're in there and you sort of everyone's fit and you're ready to go then your injuries are either contact or non-contact so contact injuries like traumas you can't really prep or plan for those so they if they happen that's just part of sport it's the non-contact injuries that you're trying to do everything you can to avoid it so they're the ones that all things going well, you know, in an ideal world, you shouldn't have any non-contact injuries because you should manage everything so perfectly that you don't. But the reality is you do get them. And so, you know, of our, obviously the concussions, we had two concussions in training. So the first two were Mary and Ivy. They were both just contact concussions. So it's just unavoidable. That I mean, it was, they were both with the ball. So it's, oh. it's actually interesting because I don't know, like the balls have a very specific, PSI that they're pumped up to, but these balls were a different brand to balls that we normally use in games. I don't know whether that was anything like if the ball was harder, like the actual make of the ball. I mean, I it's just very unusual that we had so, so many concussions based on hitting the ball that we or, or being <laughs> or being hit in the head with the ball that we haven't had in the past. And then obviously Sam's injury was a calf injury. So that was a, a non-contact injury that, you know, was just something that happened. There was no sort of preemptive sort of moment to that. It's just an acute injury that happened. But other than that, so Charlie's happened in the game, her concussion. Alana's probably happened in that game, but we weren't sure. It wasn't evident until afterwards. It wasn't about her concussion. She kind of had a, like sort of a bit of a delay of onset symptoms or a bit of it was kind of a tricky one to diagnose. But I can't really think of any other sort of big injuries that resulted in people being ruled out of games. There was a few that we were managing soft tissue things throughout. So we we might not have trained them so that they could play. So the idea is if someone's pulled up sore, you don't put them back into training and really make that injury worse. So that's the fine line between doing enough and then not doing too much. So obviously people will say, well, just don't train them, but Not training someone and then underloading them into a game is a big risk as well. So balancing the risk of overloading and causing a worse injury or underloading and causing a worse injury, it's something that we debate about every evening about it. Uh, I know that our coach is quite, he's so respectful of our medical team. I mean, you've probably heard him talk in the media, like it's very genuine that he trusts us fully and will do, you know, whatever we advise. But sometimes he was worried that we were making, like he didn't want the girls to train in a certain training session as much as we were trying to get them to train because he was just worried about them getting injured but it's like well you we're worried about next week if you don't do this this week sort of thing so it's just that balance and I guess on the field you probably don't see the little injuries because we just sub the player and you just think it's a sub so we got a lot of corks in those games like <laughs> like a lot like just I mean it's the same girls that often get them they're just the you know the tenacious ones on the field but so, sometimes it's it's quite evident when they cool down the next day, like they might have to miss two or three training sessions to recover from that. That's an injury that's sustained in the game, but we just don't make a deal about it. We don't sort of, you don't see it because they're back playing by the next game. So, they're the ones that you don't really
1: notice. There's no press release about it or anything. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> we, try, we try and keep some things under wraps so everyone will know who to run at. if they go, oh, that girl got a cork in her quad last game, we're just going to aim at her quad. So yeah. <laughs> things like that. So, like, we'll strap them for training but then when we know the media is going to be, be there, we'll make them wear long pants, for instance, or we'll <gasps> take the strapping off. Because like, you don't want to give, you, you, like, you absolutely cannot give anything away that will compromise the health or welfare of the player by the opposition knowing something about that player.
2: Wow. I always just, like, in my brain I'm just like, I'm. I feel like personally I'm I'd say I'm a fair player to never want to hurt someone more as a a means of, like, exploiting their injury or something. But obviously this is, like, elite professional most important cup of the year, so they'll do whatever they can. And then in my brain also sometimes I watch and I'm like, what is this? Is this a pretend medical (laughs) timeout that's
0: happening on the field that's all strategy or are they really – sore in the leg you know. well it's actually the opposite where most of the time the girls won't go down and let us come on the field and we're like just let us come on No, not, it's not the tillies like other I, yeah, think yeah. In, I think in the sport there's definitely you know tactical injuries but for us mainly the reason they try and get on with it to not for us not to come on the field is because if we come on the field when the play restarts they have to go off the field and so then we're playing short and you're not allowed back on the field until the ref lets you back on so they try like super super hard to not have that's why if you watch closely you'll often see a game where Jackie and I will stand up and walk to the sideline and we're just standing there ready to go on but then they're trying not to call us on and they're like okay I can recover myself I can do this and then they'll they'll um play on and but sometimes I say to them like you really should have called us on for that one like you you probably needed a bit of help or a bit of assessment but I mean our girls actually our skills are very very tough so
1: yeah they're awesome. Well. I realize somehow we have suddenly already talked for an hour again. (laughs) Just like this time just goes so quickly. We have so much fun with you. But one of the things that we wanted to ask, just in terms of like the things that you learn about people only when you get to travel with them or live with them, like are there any Rafael Nadal style superstition rituals that people do before they go in the field? Are you guys superstitious about Anything like do you do rituals before? Are there dates and times, or like what are some of the quir? Or, or do you all have to travel with like peanut butter in a jar? Like what are the things about the team, including you guys, that only people who are in the team would know that are like just quirks about you guys?
0: I mean, the girls are very superstitious, like very, very. Yay! So Maka didn't like the pink goalkeeper uniform. So <laughs> <laughs> the goalkeepers have three uniforms: black, purple, and pink. So that like that was their World Cup kit, and. She had played in the pink. I think when we lost to Scotland in the lead-up, and so she didn't like her performance. So then she just attributed it to the pink kit. And then <laughs> she played in the pink when we lost to Nigeria. I think. Hopefully that I've got that correct. I think that was the game we played in the other kit too, like the blue kit, not the the yellow kit. And like I'm not superstitious at all, but I get so worried about because it's such a mindset thing. So then for every game, so we get told like as you get towards the game, there's a, like a match commissioner meeting and they tell you like this is the kit you're playing in and this is the kit the goalkeeper's playing in. So it's not in our control. So like FIFA tell you. Oh, no choice. Yeah, so every game I was like, oh, my <gasps> God. Like I was trying to find out from the manager as soon as possible whether it was going to be the pink kit for Macca because I just really needed to
1: prep her. <laughs> Don't be pink.
0: Don't be pink. if it was, I needed to prep. <laughs> I was actually, I was dead set going to make her train in it one day if she was going to have to play in it because like they have a training kit but I was just getting very worried about this. And like luckily she wore the black for the rest of the tournament and played like an absolute superstar and I know she would have played well on the peak as well but yes, yeah, so that was one thing
1: whoa that's so fascinating
0: <laughs> a lot of them have like lucky undies lucky sports bra I mean Sam <laughs> Sam has uh I don't think she's got it anymore I think I think she's moved on but at the Olympics Sam had a lucky sports bra it was like the oldest thing I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and it was like she had to wear it for every game and the laundry at the Olympics, it was like this big, because you're in the we were in the village, so it was like the whole of the village having a laundry. And it's in COVID, right? So, so literally you'd have to line up for an hour to submit your laundry and then you'd get it back at a certain time in the evening. And this lucky sports bra went missing. So <gasps> half of no. the team and the coaching staff and the medical staff <laughs> just waltzed into this laundry, like this big facility in Japan <laughs> and went behind <laughs> the scenes and were just searching people's laundry bags to find her lucky sports bra. Because like we couldn't, we just didn't want her to have to play
1: without it. Like we found it, but like oh, thank God! Yeah. Where's the video footage of that? You guys searching through people's undies, like I've got, I've got yeah, I've, I've, I think I've got some photos.
0: I'll try and search them out and find some photos. That's pretty funny. So yeah, there's lots of things like we we know the girls that like we know them so well. We know what's going to make them on edge or whatever. So we just kind of work to that. Like it's just it just becomes second nature. The staff, like some, I don't know, sometimes we start to get superstitious like, oh, well, I wore my hair like that and then you wore this and that's what we did. So we'll do that again. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're only really mucking around. Like we're not actually serious. Like it'd be fine. Like we'd be fine to – I go out of my way to make sure that I don't create superstition. So I just keep changing things up so that I don't create an attachment to something because otherwise then you're just relying on something that's out of your control potentially. So, yeah.
2: I am, I am incredibly superstitious. Like the first – game that we won, I wore this one outfit. Anyway, so I wore the same outfit every time we played, to the socks, to the undies, to everything. And then by the end of <laughs> it, people were like, Do you have any other clothes. Cause I literally wore this like I had to wash it in like like fast because it was kind of raining down here. And then I, I was like, oh I gotta get it ready. And then I think we the game that we lost against Nigeria, I was like I'd worn different socks or something. And I was like claire I was like
1: why did I wear these socks? It's my fault. And oh, you mean while you were watching the World Cup, not while you're playing footy? No, no. When I was watching the Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant when you're. No, not when I'm playing. Pers- personally, I have no superstitions. <laughs> like
2: when I play footy, I don't like. I nothing is routine. <gasps> oh my
1: god! You just mean watching, TV. watching you're like, TV? Obviously,
2: we lost because. No, genuinely, I was my like undies changed. Like, <laughs> I told you
1: I should have won that.
2: That sock.
0: <laughs> if only the girls knew it was because of you and not them. That would be like
2: honestly, I was. I've never been so intensely following, like I love Carlton and I love love my teams, but I have never felt so attached to a team in my life where I was like, after we won against France, I had consumed every piece of media that you possibly could find from now until the the day I was born about the Tillies, the recap
1: podcasts, you made me watch the doco that day when you like, we came over and we watched like five episodes in a row.
2: Yeah, it was cooked. I'm, su- I'm surprised that you don't have any superstitions.
0: I have not seen like a piece of media. I haven't read anything. I didn't see anything. I don't know what went on. Like I never knew. Like people were like, oh, you got some screen time. I'm like, oh, that's good. Did I? Like we watched the game back but it was like it was the raw footage so we never saw like the commercial footage. So I just, I, one day I'll sit down and watch it. Yeah, so I'm the opposite. Like I'm like, inside this bubble. And I have no idea what went on outside in terms of you looking in. Like, I just don't know what people know, what people saw.
1: It's so cool. They probably know so much about you and you have no idea that everyone knows all this stuff about you. And then you walk out, you're just like super famous and everyone knows everything about your (laughs) life. They know you read the dictionary (laughs) now. (laughs) The The only thing
0: that I did get was like hundreds of people, not hundreds, but people, um, were texting me going, they called you the physio in the game, like being really offended. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, that's fine. And then the next game they're like, they still called you the physio to the point where I went to our many demander And I said, look, I've got some friends that are watching on like the coverage and they're getting very upset that they are <laughs> calling me the physio and not the doctor. Like, can you just talk to the commentators and let them know that I'm the one with the ribbons in my hair. I'm the doctor. And Jackie is the physio and she's the other one on the field. And cause we look quite similar. Like, over the years going on the field, people would make a joke and say like we're sisters and we're running on the field and so, um, some of her friends apparently called her up and said, so do you guys just like scissor, paper, rock who does what on the field when you run on? Because like <laughs> sometimes like it's Brandy doing it and sometimes it's you doing it. and Looks interchangeable,
1: like, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then there was one point that my daughter rang me at some time through while well, I rang her and she, she said like, oh, can you come home for the day? And I was like, oh, no, like I've got to, you know, I'm still working with Matilda's and she's like, well, why can't Jackie do it?
1: <laughs> I like, Jackie, Jackie
0: can take over, can't she? <laughs> so. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, what would they like watching you on TV? Well, they, um like, she's a bit older now. She's five and a half. But, um like, throughout the last, like, because of COVID, especially when I was travelling, I would go away for a long period of time and then I'd be two weeks in quarantine. So I wouldn't see them for a long time. And so they would watch me on the TV and that was like a nice thing. And they they have a game called Spoto Brandy where like my whole family play where they try and catch me in the background and then they send me screenshots of the TV. So literally like all my friends catch on now. So I'll be in a game overseas and then my watch will just be going off with photos of screenshots of TVs that I've been on. but anyway, and so um, my daughter's at school now, but a few years ago she went to kindy and that was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And she said, oh, I want to work on the TV like my mum. <laughs> and so like she thought my job was on the TV because that's all well, she got to see me at work. Like she now understands she's a massive Tilly's fan. She knows I'm a sports doctor. And then when she left kindy and they sort of did that kindy graduation before she started school, she said that she wanted to be a sports doctor and that she was going to, um, take over as the Matilda's doctor after me oh. and she said she said mum so can you just stay there till I'm ready to have the job and I said oh absolutely not though. like you're only six yet and then she said oh and I might work in your clinic as well but I want to be the boss so if I'm oh. going to be the boss and I was like oh, of course you are <laughs> Love that.
1: good on her
0: what an so, ambitious little girl <laughs> yeah she's got a
1: whole life planned
0: out
2: <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of questions but I feel like you've actually probably answered most of them but we have One final question that came from Nick, who's Sarah's husband, and it's the most strange question, but I was like. I I love strange questions. No, it's not even, it's barely a question. I think he was like. It's just a dad joke that's really bad. (laughs) The question was, if they danced, would they be called Waltzing Matildas? That's part one.
0: (laughs) Yes or no?
1: (laughs) Yes or no? Yes or no? They do dance?
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh no because they don't waltz (laughs) wait this is part two of the question
2: or if they waltzed to that song would they be Matilda's waltzing, waltzing Matilda? <laughs>
1: He's so lame.
0: <laughs> so our, um, our dancing song is...
1: Is it the Nikki Webster song?
0: No, so that's the pre-song. The, pre the song, like the celebratory song is Freed From Desire. Oh! You know... <laughs>
1: Who chooses that? Well, it just,
0: it was played over like at the end of every game and so it just became the like the anthem that the girls would sort of, they danced on the sideline. If you watch the... There's footage on the, um, I'm sure you'll be able to get some footage. It was the, yeah, the penalty shootout game. So the quarterfinal game. And so they played it over the loudspeaker and they did the dance. Like there's a dance. I'm oh, not going to do no. it. I think that you should do it. <laughs> yeah, they do that. They yeah. do this really I mean, like, And song? It's, it's like that song, but it's the remix. Oh, the remix. For the dance. that might be it though. That sounds right.
1: Hold on. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and so then um, so when we were leaving the game in Brisbane, because after the game, like after a win, it's all hype on the bus, obviously, and that's we do the team song on the bus, and so they put that song on, and we're like singing and dancing to it as we were leaving, and then they do the the team song for winning, so it's like a disco on the bus when we win a game, that's where all the singing and dancing, and in the change room like. And for prehab, I mean, there was so much about the music. So the music starts when we arrive and then the 10 minutes of prehab is very much music. It's such a mix. So you'll have Nikki Webster into some like rapper, into (laughs) Celine Dion, (laughs) into Black Magic, uh, into, yeah, like it's such a diverse. Kaya, Simon is um, the main DJ and then Lydia and Sam often if, if Kaya's not there. So it's probably second to food. The music,
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. You need to release the Tilly's like Spotify playlist that everyone can download and just get in their zone. It's basically just Kaya Simon's Spotify playlist. <laughs> some of hers are, some of hers are public. She's got a sing along one. If you guys lose, is it like a "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend"? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: too <it's> quiet.
1: <laughs> no one wants a bar of music and dancing.
0: <laughs> in COVID, when we were at the Asian Cup in India, we had to have two buses because you had to have like separation on the bus, and so. The bus that I was on, like they were calling it the cool bus and I think we must have had the, the music. Yeah, obviously. Not because I was on it. I was actually on the cool player bus. But I've got some some footage of them doing, I, I don't know what it is, like a some like sing-along love song, but they all had their phones. You know how you put the torch on your phone and yeah. you're waiting your lung singing, and your lungs singing? Hey
1: now, hey now. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But, uh, I'll
0: dig that one up and put it back on the story too. It was like they're the moments that you remember more than the sport, like those little behind the scene things, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But
1: not more than the food, of course. No. no second to the food. <laughs> I've learned so much about your relationship with food <laughs> in this last hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Dr. Brandy, thank you so much for jumping back on. That was so fascinating. And I'm so glad we got to have this second chat because we would have missed out on learning like what your days actually look like. That blew my mind I just can't believe how intense camp time must be for you guys like working those incredible crazy hours but in such an exciting environment like are you spent when you get home oh I, I was this time I, I've never been <laughs> I, I don't think in
0: my life I've ever been so emotionally physically and mentally just broken like literally broken I had a patient the other day it came in because I went straight back to work. I actually had people booked in the day after the final and I was like, Oh, was my I God. So I moved, I moved them around. Um, so I haven't actually had a break yet. Like tomorrow is the start of my holidays from the World Cup. Like I haven't had a holiday yet. I've recovered but I I still am a little bit, you know, like I need a break. My patient said to me, oh, like you look a little bit more alive now. Like you are a bit <gasps> dead behind the eyes when I came in two weeks. I was like,
1: yeah, well, that's how I felt too. A bit dead behind wow. the eyes.
0: I could still do my job. My brain, my work brain was working fine. My, my medical brain, it didn't, it didn't falter, but everything else, I was not capable of just making a simple life decision at all. Like my husband said to me, Oh, um, we've been invited to this dinner in two weeks. I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing in 10 minutes. Like I cannot answer a question about anything like that at the moment but usually it's fine usually I'm, i come back refreshed because as i said my real life's stressful <laughs> compared to my camp life but we're going into we're going into camp in a month's time four weeks time yeah. to Perth. we've got three qualifier games for the olympics yes so um i'll see if i can get some behind the scenes uh freight and food <gasps> footage for you yes. we might even
2: slide into the dm of <laughs> is it nari that you said was the video nari yeah yeah we're gonna be like yeah. stop loading things. Dr. Brandy needs a workout today, so you just take the videos. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nari has a, one of those microphones that has like, it's like a karaoke microphone and it alters your voice. And um, when the girls were concussed and I had to go do separate training sessions for them, I got to go on the advance bus with the advanced crew. Nari's on the advance crew. And so I got welcomed to the advance crew with the with the microphone. And um, <laughs> that was the day that Charlie was doing her, um, Charlotte Grant was doing her concussion rehab and she actually did a karaoke performance to a Marley Cyrus song for us as her, like her welcome into the advance group. That's my
1: dream. That is my. <laughs> that would be my
0: dream gift. I'm not on TikTok, but if you follow Charlie on TikTok, they often do like singing, dancing TikToks yeah. when we're in camp. I always walk into them, see them making them. I, I had a cameo in one when we were over in London. So they were like, okay, you've got to do this. You've got to walk up in the background and do this. And I was like, okay. Oh, um, we have to find it, <laughs> Ed. No, I, I can't wait. Don't worry. I told you, I've consumed every piece of media. I've
2: seen
1: Yeah, you've probably seen long. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I hope you have the most amazing, very, very well-deserved break over the next little while with the family. We have lots of exercise, remember? Lots of training. I was going to say. Lots, lots of, of training. training, lots of eating, lots of swimming at the
2: beach. I laughed so hard at your story the other day with the underwater weight running and I was like, of course. <laughs>
0: Of course, that's what you want to do. Oh, my gosh. It just looked like a challenge. I don't, think, I don't actually know how to train. I think it's probably training her breathing ability uh, as a swimmer, which I do not need, but maybe I'll take the dumbbells for a bushwalk instead, Who knows? save
1: them from getting rusty. You just now all you need is a pasta station and then you're set. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't eat pasta, so it's all right. How did that fact <laughs> slip through? Uh, yeah,
0: I'm a, I'm a fruit and veg salad meat girl, nuts and cheese. <sighs>
1: Just plenty of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Plus, you have to wait too long for the pasta station. It's got Don't a lot of She's impatient. She <laughs> to the head. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us twice now. And we will be following along very closely in Perth. And we'll be, of course, you know, like wearing her special undies and her special socks. And
0: <laughs> Well, if you want to come over, I'll probably get some tickets to the game. I can give you some. Well, I've, no. I Don't even attempt No, I swear <laughs> I've looked at flights. And the minute
2: the World Cup finished, I looked at flights and I was like, how do I work this? So I
1: reckon we could do it. Bim, let's do a CCA trip to Perth. Yeah, let me know if you come over. I'll hook you up.
2: Okay, leave it with us. Leave it with us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you so much. This has just been absolutely delightful and we hope you have the best break. Thank you.